listening to Inksteads on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Zach Sally, the creator of Sammy the Mouse, as well as publisher of Lamano Press. Uh, Zach was on the show... Oh, how long ago was that? It was two... It was when Like a Dog came out, so... I was going to say two, but I think it was 2009, so that's three years, yeah. There we go. Um, I didn't scare you off. No! No! Oh. <laughs> Now, it's um, funny, coming back to this book, I don't know, funny, it's it's a, we discussed a bit about it before, um, when you're on before, because I think the second book had come out at that point, mm-hmm. um, so I want to be careful that we don't retread for folks, but there's a lot of interesting facets to the book that, it, that I'm quite into, and also, um, I love talking comics with you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> We could just and we could just talk shit. Oh wait, I mean talk comics for the whole show, and I'd be fine. I mean, I guess we should talk about you know my comics, your comics at at some point. But you know, if we don't get to that, that's okay as well. Well, let's let's start a little bit with talking about Sammy. Um, one thing I don't think we discussed before, and if we did, my memory isn't as good as it ever was. Not that it was ever good. Um, you were... It was a co-publishment, Coconino Press, uh, Fanographics, and Coconino in Italy. I think possibly in France, too. Yeah, France was... When I first signed on, there was... I think they had six six publishers. Um, yeah, I mean, when, when Igor was doing it, he had six publishers um, signed up, but I think it was France... Um, I think it was French, Dutch, Spanish, Italian. Um, correct. It's okay. English, English, and and you know something else. And by the time I signed on, the only even France had dropped out, so it was just English. It was just Fanographics and Coconino who was who were publishing the books. Now, how did you get connected with Igor? Because you didn't have a lot of published comics at that point other than what you had self-published maybe the anthologies here and there um well I it I think I might have told this story last time I was on but but I after I finished Recidivist I had been thinking that I wanted to do this same in the mouth story and I think I had my yeah I had my press at that point but I uh I was actually imagining it as a two-color thing and it it, it I knew how how big of a story it was going to be, and and there was a part of me that was after recidivist. It's just like I I will I will publish this myself, but I would rather I'd rather just be a cartoonist and have somebody else publish it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, then I started seeing these Ignatz books come out, which was you know, sort of the exact format I had been imagining for Sam and the Mouse, and after hearing, you know, that was being set up by Igor, and, you know, potentially published in all these other languages, and who was signed up to do books, um, I just thought I should, I should, I should check this out, and, um, I called up Eric Reynolds, who's, you know, an old friend at Fanographics, and kind of picked his brain about it, and he said, yeah, you know, here's we don't decide who does these things. Here's Igor's email, and um, email Igor, and you know, after a little while, he got back to me and he said, "He said you're in. Let's go." So, um, 
yeah, so that's just kind of how that how that came about. Did you have any involvement from him at all editorially, or were you pretty carte blanche? Yeah, it was total carte blanche. I don't know if I've ever had any editorial input input from anybody ever. <laughs> just uh, yeah, he just said, you know, you're on. Um, and as soon as I finished each each issue, I would just send it to you know send it to Fantagraphics and 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 York, and it would. You know, except you know, Kim Thompson would go on it, They'd go go through it for spelling errors or you know, just proofreading. But in terms of content, there's it's uh, I've never heard a word. You know, tell me about the choice of doing it in um, anthropomorphic, uh, funny animal characters as a, as a telling Sammy story. I don't, you know, in 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 a, in the interviews I've done recently, a lot of people have asked that question, and I feel um, both really really strongly and and sort of idiotic about. You know, I can give kind of intellectual rationalizations for why it's funny animal, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of this stuff for the Sammy books as a whole were consciously trying not to overthink or think too hard about anything. You know, I just that had been a pitfall of mine for way too long and it was just um, I mean the only conscious part of it was being you know was me saying you have this idea does it does it feel right? If it feels right, then go with that, you know. Um, so, you know, I can kind of backtrack and say, well, I think that it's funny animals because because I think it would be a really weird story to pull off with humans. Um, and then, it, you know, all this formal comics bullshit, like it puts a distance between you and the character, or blah, blah, blah. But, I mean... It just felt like this is the way. I mean, I think they're fun. You know, they're, yeah. they're supposed. To, I like the fact that they're funny. You know, there's only a certain level of. Uh, you know, there's a comic tradition there, and I, I think there's there's only so seriously that you can. I don't know. It, it just feels like there's a different treatment. There's a different way of coming at funny animals that felt way more appropriate for this than than uh, than anything else I could think of. You know? Talking about comics tradition, um, it feels very rooted in kind of within underground comics. Was that something that I'm touching into? Like, is that something that you feel a lot of kind of I don't know connection with? When looking at this work, um, yeah, but maybe not in the way that is a is apparent on, on the face of it. Um, when I was restarting Lamano, you know, before I put out John Porcelino's, it, when Lamano turned from a quote unquote zine publisher into a publisher that does real books, I, I read that uh, Patrick Rosencrantz book 
Rebel Visions. Mm-hmm. You read that thing? Oh, it's fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> and I had just, growing up, you know, Crumb and all those guys were just a bunch of hippies, you know, that were, they were just a bunch of old hippies. And it took me, you know, quite a few years to actually be able to value that those guys' work just because I was a dumb fucking teenager, you know. But um, that book was really a, you know, a revelation about it just told the story of underground comics in this way that I, I was completely unaware of. Um, and it was really inspiring to me. Because a lot of them weren't but even I, hippies. What's that? And a lot of them weren't hippies. No, a lot of them weren't hippies, and it just gave you a sense of, like, there was an arc to this thing. You know, there's... there's, there's yeah, yeah. And even saying old hippies, that just goes to show how how stupid I was about the whole thing, you know. But it was it was also very part of that. Like, you know, before we started rolling tape, we were talking about Justin Green and obviously Crumb and those guys. I mean, these were like weirdos amongst the counterculture, you know, that didn't really. But at the same time, they were part of that '60s culture and a lot of the stuff. It's inextricably linked with that time and place, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know, to those guys getting their own printing presses, starting up their own, you know, starting up their own underground comics things with this, you know, mode of distribution that's completely underground that is actually, you know, completely like what happened with Zines twenty five years or whatever. Um, but. In saying all that, at the same time, I hadn't seen a lot of those actual comics. I just I didn't have a bunch of those in my collection. I didn't see them very often. And it's only been recently that I've that I started getting a hold of some of those actual comics. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it gets just like anything else. Some of it's really great. Some of it is hippie bullshit. Um, some of it's garbage and some of it is incredibly beautiful garbage you know yeah um, but all of it is kind of um, it's like doing an archaeological dig or something you know you dig this stuff up and you can try to make sense of how that fit in at the time and uh, it's so, uh, you, you know I, I, I it, oh, let's just say in answer to your question it, I don't think I'm Again, consciously working in with those as a as an inspiration because I still, I mean, I have some of the stuff that I have, and I'm, I'm by no means um, an expert on that stuff. But I think I think it fits in that tradition. Yeah, you know, some some somehow. <laughs> it's interesting. Um kind of looking back at that work and and one part like so seminal Patrick's book is is that that archaeological aspect where myself I find I'm like looking through comic bins and finding these crazy undergrounds that there's just so much out there and it's all so different like we we have our staples the canon of Crumb um, you know Justin Green 
Um, yeah, Spain. Um, but there's so much beyond that, especially when you get to guys like Rory Hayes. Yeah. And, and yeah, and even you know these guys that you see that you know that were just sort of involved guys or, or women who were just involved for this really brief period of time, you know, and some of that stuff is really interesting, you know, like some strip by this person who obviously doesn't really know or care about comics, but they're kind of part of that counterculture, so they gave it a shot for one strip, and it's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, just, like oh, what, kind of, what are you doing? You know, which, which is... You know, kind of great and kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the, this, uh, I just got this, this stack of them and, you know, there's something that I think was last gas put out. It's all like amputee. Have you seen this comic? It's like amputee love. I think I know the one. Yeah, and it's all like pro amputee. Was it? Sex comic. Yeah. Which. At the same time, is really like slutty, and, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one, that's the other thing is, man, I'm again, I'm no bleeding heart anything, but man, like these, the whole attitude towards women in those things, it's brutal. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's what. Looking back, it's like, okay, dudes, I get that y'all, you know, but. You know, I'm not like some. It's just, it's kind of gross. Like, you know, just the, the way they kind of talk about women is. It's definitely kinda, objects. Yeah, and it's just kind of lame. Like, you guys are the fucking counterculture. Get your. <laughs> like, get your head out of your ass. You got women, you got women cartoonists working beside you. Don't. Sorry. Yeah. Don't apologize. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I just did. But <laughs> um, is that one of the reasons why you find a connection with someone like Kim Deitch, where his work is so separate from all of that in a way? Like yeah. he's working at the same time, but he's doing shit that no one else is doing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And he, and he always was, you know. And and the guys with the staying, you know, and so was Crumb, and so. You know, all the guys you said, so was Justin Green, you know, all those guys. But, I mean, particularly Kim, um, you know, in, in so many different ways, how he just carved out his, you know, his, his aesthetic has only become more refined over the years, you know. And just the fact that he's doing the best work of his career at this point in his life is... is really inspirational really. it's not just the uh, the work it's also the writing he's doing right now as well that I'm really yeah. getting a lot of like his uh, was it Roger Brand he'd written about you know I started going through all those comics uh, when he was doing the things about his life uh, you know his life through records yeah. that he was doing on the, the comics journal and I think I, I got about halfway through and then it, it's the kind of thing that I didn't want to read piecemeal you know yeah 
so I keep on trying to find like now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to carve out like an hour and a half to just sit and read this and I was able to do that once but I, I didn't get to the point um, I, I haven't read the Roger Brand piece yet I need to desperately but yeah that one kind of sticks out separately from them all because he really it's really fascinating because in one part he tells this really incredible story about Roger and the challenges of his life and just like what the reality was for him with his alcoholism and um, the, the other part was just like how everyone kind of touched in on on this story and there was like this huge 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 uh, posting collection there just everyone telling their Roger stories and telling stories at that time and it's just this trove of comics history that I don't know how anyone could have gotten that much amazing info out and put it all together like that wow is all that stuff still up? I mean, is it archived? Oh yeah, it's all on the on the okay. comics journal. Yeah, okay. check it out, folks. Um, yeah. Now your book um, also touches on alcoholism. Staying on the subject, segueing. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this book kind of have a cathartic approach for you, or is it kind of speaking to the surreal? Uh, it feels it 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 feels cathartic in the sense that um, yeah. I hope I don't keep going back to this same answer every time, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it feels cathartic in the sense that I am um, just making comics and enjoying the process to a certain extent um I mean again I'm not I didn't set out to um do a book about drinking but I think it is kind of about drinking um I mean I didn't I certainly didn't set out to do a book about alcoholism and I don't even know if that's that's what it's about either um I almost feel it's less... I'm not going to say alcoholism as much as just it's kind of the culture that it, that it brings about, maybe. Yeah, I do feel like that's, that is what it's about. Is I mean, I haven't, had, I haven't had a drink in seven or eight years, but it's... And I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a road we really want to go down. I mean, but basically... It, it, it feels like for me the comic is kind of about what your life is like when not directly of course but yeah about this sort of um, it's this camaraderie through selfishness and yeah yeah and and kind of being being in a in a situation where you think not where you think, but it's just like where. Why the hell wouldn't you drink a lot all the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why, why would you not? I mean, come on. Um, and uh, I, yeah, um, and I'm not. I, I I don't think I'm trying to comment on that either. You know. Um, So 
Sorry, I kind of I, I lost my train of thought there. I, it's I, really I, hard for me to talk about what the damn book is about. Yeah. For some for some reason, because it's I know what it's about, um, but it's revealing itself. How is this a long project? Like, there's a one on the spine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's four of them. So that says a lot, then. There's a lot yeah. to be <laughs> Yeah, there's... Yeah, the, 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 the book that's out right now and the three issues that were the Ignats, um, that came out in the Ignats format, that's... that's still exposition. Um, and actually, the one that I'm... gonna have... Gonna have the bulk of it done by the end of the summer. You know, I'm kind of realizing that that's almost the end of the exposition. Yeah, the next 96 pages will be book two, and that's almost in the can. And we're almost getting to the point where it's not exposition anymore, and stuff starts to happen. That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm just wandering around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have, I've always had an arc and. You know, I, I've always this thing has a beginning and a middle and an end, and and uh, I've always, you know, I've always known what those things are, and and it's a long story because because that's the you know from the very first I didn't set down set out to be like I'm going to make a long story. I just started started with the story and started thinking about it, and eventually I, you know. When I began to put it together in my head, it it became apparent that it was going to need at least two or three hundred pages to to do what I wanted it to do, and and you know I think it's going to yeah in the end it'll clock in at at four hundred or so, you know. And just so people understand. Your previous longest work was nowhere near that. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Um, I I look at um, the final issue of Recidivist as it's, it's five short stories, but they all I do actually view the final issue of, of Recidivist as as a single piece. It's it's five stories, but but they're all I worked on them all at the same time, and they were all meant to speak to each other and and work together in a certain way. But but yeah, that none of those were sustained narratives. They were um, I think the longest piece I had done before this is maybe twenty four pages or so. Ambitious undertaking. Yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> How was it for you with the uh, kind of put yourself out there with the Kickstarter? Say again. How much did I? How was it for you putting yourself out there with the Kickstarter? Um, was that kind of like a little fuel to get going with the project? Yeah. Yeah, and just the way the whole thing came about with. Um, you know, by the, by the third issue of of the Sammy the Mouse and the Ignatz thing, it it was clear, and I think this was the last time we spoke to the, the writing 
the writing was on the wall for the Ignatz line as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was talking with Fantagraphics about how we would progress from this point or, you know, format-wise and what we would do. And um, just as we were talking, I, it, it, it came upon me that if I was ever going to do any of the Sammy the Mouse stuff on my printing press that I have, that that this would be the time to do it. You know, putting together those three individual comics into one book and releasing it myself and printing it myself. Like, if I was going to ever take a shot at doing that, this was the time to do it. Um, but Romano's just been really squeaking by for the last couple of years. Um, and so I, I needed to do the Kickstarter thing to to just raise raise the funds to I mean not not to like pay myself to print it, but just to actually pay for the materials to to get you know materials and binding and ink and all that all that stuff. You know, um Kickstarter is a weird thing. Sometimes it's and it seems like it's getting weirder all the time. I mean I'm really happy and appreciative that, that that worked out and that I was, you know, people were, you know, people supported that idea and enabled me to get it done. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was great. You know. Now you were mentioning in, in our kind of progress up to this, you kind of had some stuff coming up you may have wanted to yak about. Oh yeah, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> yeah, well, um, it actually, like I said, the new, well, announce it here, I suppose. Um, the the next issue of Sammy the Mouse it's going to be the same format as. Um, the book I just put out, but I am going to be releasing it with Uncivilized Books, which oh, is nice. Tom Kaczynski's, um publishing company. He's he's doing, he's doing the um, Gabrielle Bell book collection that's coming out real soon, and yeah. So yeah, me and Tom will be doing that. Uh, you know, I say it'll be. It's kind of going to be a Lamano Uncivilized. We'll be doing it together a little bit, but mostly it'll be you know, for the book proper. Uncivilized books will be releasing that, and I think Lamano might or Lamano will try to do. I'm going to print some copies on my press um, for the people who who give a shit about that sort of thing. You know, who who care about having the thing printed by the artist. There'll be that edition that I'll do myself, and then there'll be another sort of regular edition for people who could care less about that sort of thing. It's pretty amazing what Tom's been kind of doing, slowly stepping up, uh, what he's got going on there. He's, Tom is, Tom's a great cartoonist and a great guy and and a good friend, and yeah, there's some stuff, and yeah, I mean, we're just good friends, and it, it really made sense for us to do, to try doing this together, um, there's in no way like 
again, I need to say these things out loud, where it was in no way like a dissatisfaction with fanographics or, or anything. I love those guys and will continue to for ever. But um, Tom's down the street and he's a good friend and it just uh, it just kind of made sense for this thing. Um, but he's got some things that He's really organized. He's really smart. Um, and uh, there's some stuff that that might be happening on on Uncivilized. That uh, he's doing a true swamp collection of John Lewis's book. Nice. Um, yeah, there's just you got a bunch of stuff on deck that I can't remember what stuff I'm allowed to talk about and what I'm not. But um, it'll be good shit. It will be good shit. It's funny you and certain. you and Tom. Like when I go to a convention or anything, everyone else I talk comics, and then you guys I talk music. Hmm? <laughs> we'll talk. Wait, what? When I go to con- like last time at uh, Brooklyn, we were talking about. Oh yeah. I think we're talking about like throbbing gristle or something. Yeah, we yeah yeah at Brooklyn. We didn't talk comics at all. <laughs> Oh, and you and Tom on the throbbing gristle, jeez. <laughs> Sorry, I like that stuff. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I just both of you, both of you got the. I still can't believe you went and saw them twice live. That's pretty amazing. Didn't he? I think he went to New York. I think he like bought a ticket to New York just to go. Yeah. Just to go see them when they did that when they did that reunion thing. So. Yeah. Tom, you're a great man. He is a great man. He's a great guy. I'm looking forward to yakking with them. Um, yeah. Something else... So that's my big news, which is big news to, like, me. No, that'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. It's. I was wondering how long it would be between the first book and the second book, because um, sometimes you see someone will pump something out, and then the second will languish and, you know, hopefully yeah. come out. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know, I'm 40-something, and it's the, the thing that I'm, I'm slowly coming to terms with is just that, um, A, that I'm slow, and B, that, you know, there could potentially be comics that I make at some point that um, pay well enough that you can spend a lot of, you can justify spending a lot of time on them, but Sammy isn't one of those things, you know, um, it just comics just take a really long time to do and I, I'm not making any money doing it so mm-hmm. it just makes it free you know it's an excuse of course but it's actually a reasonable excuse you know it's um, it's hard to carve out that time
Now, one thing you did do, you did get to do recently, was you did that trip to France with uh, Anders Nilsson and uh, Sarah Clinton. Um, what was like that like for you as a comparison with kind of your other traveling touring experiences? Um. Well, that was uh, that was actually the best professional experience of. Uh, of my life um, going to that thing and it was very um, it's called Girafuil um, which means rock paper scissors in France and what it is is this guy named June in um, who lives in France three years ago he just set up this thing at this very old salt factory in the middle of nowhere in eastern France um, where he just had this idea to put a bunch of cartoonists in a room in the middle of nowhere for a week and have them run run some Ubapo um, which is the, exper the experimental arm of comics run some of those comics experiments but just basically get these people in a room for a week to create stuff and at the end of the week um, sort of display what they had come up with but you would all you'd, it would be on site in this room in the middle of nowhere so it's not like you can go into town and get hammered because there is no town to get hammered in um, so we did that the first year I think it was mostly French cartoonists with a couple I think there was maybe a Swiss couple you know but very like Europe um and the second year, there was, there, I think there was like uh, twenty some cartoonists. And so last year it was again twenty two cartoonists, but it, each year it had gone a little bit better because there was also a public element to the thing. Or at the end of the week, the public would be invited to this to view what the cartoonists had come up with over the course of the week. And there's also printmakers involved and soap screeners and. Um, all this kind of stuff but uh, yeah the one we did um, it had gone pretty well for the previous two years so they'd gotten some grants to bring in people from all over um, so they were able to bring in uh, uh, um, Joe Dog from South Africa as well as a bunch of French and Belgian and Swiss and uh, Maddie Hagelberg was able to come and the three you know three Americans um and uh Mazin Kurbaji's from Mon god damn it anyway it, it was uh so that's why yeah so I, I got this email from this from this guy I'd never heard of before that said do you want to come and do this thing in France and we'll pay for your ticket and uh you just come and hang out for a week and come up with stuff with other cartoonists and I was like yeah trip to France it sounds great <laughs> um, but it was also um, I've never I don't do jam comics and comics has always been a really solitary thing for me I don't I don't there's never anyone around when I'm working on comics I don't share a studio I don't do any of that shit so the idea that we would be doing this collaborative thing for a week was really I was like I don't know how that's going to go but um, 
it was just it was and I, I think uh like Domitio Pilardi um had done it the previous year and I don't know, it was just I think it had a lot to do with this guy June who set the whole thing up, but mm-hmm. people I mean, there was a language barrier, but people were just working their asses off and it was just people who loved comics and there was an experimental part to it but it was just this like intensely intensely no bullshit creative there must be like, some yeah we were just all locked in the, <laughs> like locked in this place <laughs> for a week and it was like work you know just work anything you come up with whether you know it's a comic experiment, it's some like it's a silk screen book, whatever it is, you got a week, go, and everybody you know, everybody just worked their asses off for a week, and uh, it was just pretty, it's pretty astounding, you know. There must be something really amazing about like having that language barrier, but you guys are still doing the same thing and still like feeding off those same comic juices yeah it was and you know it, you know people gravitate towards that thing it was kind of difficult to not anything purposeful but you know it's more difficult to to work with someone that you can't speak with you know but everybody was everybody was giving it a shot you know what I mean everybody was trying to uh and, you know, and and again, this guy June, who who set it up, he was really, I think, very specific about the people he brought into this. And some of them were like cartoonists who were straight out, who like just graduated from art school, and they were like, "What are we doing here?" And there were some guys who like just a couple of guys who do zines. Um, they were just fucking amazing, you know, but zine guys, and then guys who have been published you know and are pretty well known or, or you know or a guy like Joe Dog and on Cannonburg who's basically moved out of comics he was one of the bitter comics guys but you know he's basically moved into the fine art world um and he just does paintings now but you know all these folks and it was no shrinking violets you know everybody everybody had their thing yeah you know and you know, in a lot of cases, that would just be people who would butt heads and, and wouldn't work together at all because everybody had their own thing. But for this, you know, everybody, everybody did. It was, uh, yeah, it was just a pretty, a pretty astounding experience. You know, I could see something really interesting even just between you and Anders, because there's this. Uh, you both have this interesting aspect to your work this is kind of yeah about. yeah um yeah it was it, I, I agree you know um but it did it, the whole thing more than that you know I mean the whole thing just turned into this this big melting pot for everybody you know it's gotta be interesting when you're like you're coming up with this list of artists and like well, let's see how these guys work together. Yeah. Yeah, and and really not knowing if they would, you know? Um, and just kind of having faith that 
that all these people, when they got there, would. It's a lot like Live Aid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a lot like a We Are the World thing. There was a big sign in French that said, Check your egos at the door, except it was in French, so I couldn't read it. And, and then I got in, and everybody had a ukulele and cornrows. And Phil Collins uh, <laughs> did a verse. What's that? And Phil Collins did a verse. Phil Collins, if only. That's what it would have made perfect if Phil Collins would have shown up. Uh, apparently, he spends time in Vancouver. Does he really? Yeah. There's a lot of famous people apparently that live right outside of town in the in North Vancouver, but or West Vancouver, I should say. I'll never see him. Oh, you might. They don't want to see him. You might get run down by him. Or I'll just sit in a boat and watch him sail away. Um, (laughs) One of the other things we were talking about before uh, the interview was also just kind of looking at what's happening in comics right now um, and kind of having a tough time with it, just seeing this disrespect, I guess, from, from the fan base. Which I I agree with. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to write something on my blog right now about the whole, and the, the crux of what I'm trying to write on my blog right now is that I want to take, I want to take my son to go see the Avengers movie. Um, and it's hard because this is how I'm trying to order my thoughts. The Avengers. Me taking my six-year-old son to see the Avengers movie is what that movie is supposed to be for. And, you know, and people have been trying to come up with all these ways of, of drawing attention to the fact that, at the very least, Jack Kirby was deeply instrumental in creating what has made a billion dollars in 19 days and that he's just been totally fucked and absolutely fucking mistreated by this company and like what do you do what do you do about that like how do you as like a conscientious or attempting to be conscientious person who loves comics and who respects Jack Kirby and this is on the heels of what we were talking about before of the Alan Moore thing you know about them doing before Watchmen it's like this astounding level of of just like disrespect total disrespect for what this thing was built on and you know in certain ways it's like tricky how do we how do we address that in certain ways it's not tricky at all mm-hmm. because those guys are, it's just like Marvel and DC are fucking assholes they're fucking assholes mm-hmm. and that's and well, what you are talking about before the tape started rolling was like, like that is what it is and but these 
these fanboys. It's like, you know, on Spurgeon's site, it's like since the Avengers movie has come out, people have donated like $1,100 to the, um, to the Hero Initiative, which is great. And I don't want to give them a dime of my money. But they've made they've made a billion dollars in in nineteen days. Yeah, nobody's going to hit them in the pocketbook. Their pocketbook is bursting right now, and the same damn thing is going to happen with Watchmen. Before Watchmen, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the solution here is other than. Well, I think I'm just going to contribute. Here's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Why do we not have a fund set up where, like, the Hero Initiative is great, and there's a lot of great places that you can go. You know, there's the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. There's there's places that you can go to say, like, this is not okay. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm going to give some money to the the Jack to get the Jack Kirby Museum built. But anyway, I'm getting like. Is there a place that we can go, and if there isn't, why not? That you can sort of like directly contribute to the estate. Yeah, and and I, that's where this gets all tricky because I don't even know if that matters. Because is that? I mean, it does matter. But well, is that going to for you know what is going to forward the idea of the fact? What is going to forward the notion? that these guys are getting fucked and that they're getting fucked and that it's important that on some level people say this is fucked instead of these fanboys who you bring it up and all you hear about is how these they're these dumb old men who got screwed in their contracts and there's nothing to discuss because it's legal so it's fine so so fuck them fuck Alan Moore and fuck Jack Kirby and that whole world I hate those people. I hate them. You know, I mean, that's what I, that's what I can't explain to my six-year-old son about going to see this movie. And I did explain it to him. I said, "Son, I want to go see this with you." That's I'm a, I'm a cartoonist. I make comics. Yeah, you're a six-year-old kid. I this is this is you can't read my comics because my comics have swear words in them. <laughs> but you know, I can give you my Jack Kirby comics, and you can read, and he loves them. But, you know, like, you know, and I said, like, I, son, I don't think I can, go, I can't go to this with you because the guy who made up all those guys, who made up Captain America and all those guys, well, they aren't, I, I, I took the time and explained it to him. And at the end of it, he was like, hey, can we talk about something not serious? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm not lying about this. Two days later, you know, the Avengers movie came up. And I again had to be, and he's like, you know, Dad, I think they should just give that guy, they, sh- they should just give that guy some money. Yeah, I'm not making this up. My six-year-old son knows this, and these like morally retarded fanboys can't wrap their head around the fact that like it's yeah. it's it's so hard because like. I talked to my coworkers. None of them read comics, and one of them asked me if I'm going to go see the Avengers, and I s- say no, and I explained why. They're very intelligent. Like, 
we do anti-oppression training and we do like a lot of like advocacy work and so they're smart folks and I just I lay it right out there and they they get it they get exactly they understand and one still goes to see the Avengers but she wants to know how to donate to the Hero Initiative um and it's like if these folks don't even read comics and it makes sense why can't someone yeah. who reads this and I don't know it's it's really it's hard for me and I know like I it, I also had a hard time uh, seeing like Maurice Sendak die and I'm hearing more about problems with Marvel and DC and there's other parts of me like we just gotta like shut them down completely and just look at what's important and so there's a part of me that doesn't even want to give these guys the air um and just look at what you know let's celebrate these great folks instead you know no and and I'm I'm with you you know and and I went to TCAF and I went uh this year and I went with John Porcelino and Noah Van Skyver and me and John just ended up having this conversation where it's hard not to get frustrated with it but it's also I think that's partly I, I know so little about that world I'm so not dialed into that world of mainstream comics that I hear stuff like this and I hear the way it's going down and it's 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 mind-boggling to me. But it's also, yeah, it, it, you know, that's the stuff that's getting the press right now, not the thousands of cartoonists who, who are doing great work, you know, um, which is also galling. And... You know, but those companies are also sort of doomed. Yeah. And I think they know it, you know. Um, it's just... And it's like I see this Watchmen thing, and I think, like, maybe they know they're doomed, and they're just like, let's fucking burn it to the ground. <laughs> yeah. And they might be doing exactly that. And I I kind of I hope they are, you know, because people who are doing good work will still, you know... This sounds crazy, but people who are doing good work are still going to be doing good work if there's no fucking Batman. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. It's, yeah. One thing I I have pissed people off saying is like, if Marvel and DC suddenly closed up shop, comics would be fine. Some would come in, yeah. Some, you know, I mean, the whole structure is based on on those guys. Um. And, and, you know, maybe what I see as comics for a lot of people, it's that financial reality, and, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an argument right there, like, well, you're not making art, you're doing graphic design for visual storytelling, and that. Ah, yeah. ah. Yeah, and, you know, this is where I sound, start sounding like a total crackpot, you know, but we... we started talking about those underground guys and all this other you know that all these things that have come and gone in, in, in culture and in comics and you look at Marvel and DC and the way they behave and it's really hard for me to not be like it's not surprising at all you know I mean that's what that's what <laughs> fucking up everything in the world right now you know, like they, they're money-making machines. That's all they, that's the only reason they exist. 
and like part the thing that bolstered them up is there's like artists and creative people who work within that system who make them their money. Yeah. But they don't give a they don't give a rat's ass about those folks. No. You know, and it's just this, you know, nobody give a rough you know, it's it's that corporate culture thing where they don't give a rat's ass about you beyond the extent that you are bringing them money. And that is the end of the matter, you know. And it's you know, in our world of comics, I know a lot of weirdos. I know, <laughs> you know, like there's some dubious freaks that we both know. But uh, by and large, it's not that stripe of bullshit, you know. Yeah. It's and it's and I want to also say that it's mostly like really good. You know, some of the, some of the best people I've met is in this weird non-mainstream world of comics but um, yeah that stuff yeah I know what you're saying so <laughs> uh, well I think I think the, uh, the the heart of this is that there's a lot of terrible shit happening in comics, but thankfully, in the small press, there's enough work that you could read, you could purchase, you could enjoy, that you can have clean hands. Yeah. You know, but the small press thing has almost gotten... I mean, I noticed that at TCAF and a lot of the other things, there's so much good stuff or interesting stuff happening right now that I can't keep track of it. No, me neither. You know, like I can't, like I can't even hope to keep track of it, and that's that's amazing. Yeah, and 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 wonderful. And then you can even break it down. Like again, ignoring the crap that we were just talking about. I mean, you're talking about current stuff going on. There's more stuff than I can keep track of. You're talking about reprints of amazing comics from the past, you know, newspaper strips. I mean, the Barnaby collection is coming out, for Christ's sakes. It's like, on almost every level of comics, you talk about, you know, your, you know, your, your neck of the woods up there, like what Brandon Graham is doing mm-hmm. with profit right now, and, you know, it, it, just kind of on all levels. It's, it's There's so it, much good stuff going out going on right now that, that it's difficult to keep track of, and I'm often depressed about comics. But you think about it in that terms, and it's just it's an you know it's an amazing time to be making comics. I I don't think there's ever been a time like this, and like even since starting the show, um, it's been almost seven years now, which kind of frightens me. Um, you know, the first time I went to SPX, the only time I went to SPX, and kind of some of the work there, there's some interesting stuff, and then just seeing where some of those folks have gone with their work since then, and also knowing that that was like kind of the nexus of alternative comics at that point, and the work I see at Brooklyn, at TCAF, there's just so much more advanced from that point in time that I'd seen. And just like people are just pushing and pushing and pushing, and the, it, it's really exciting to see like 
comics, they're not moving backwards. They're not. And, you know, maybe maybe DC and Marvel behaving like this is perfect because, and, and if they really did collapse, would it, it would be great because, I mean, even, you know, I teach comics at a collegiate level here in Minneapolis. And I, I guess I've been doing that for six years. And when I first started teaching, there's still a lot of the, like, I'm an anime person, or I'm a superhero guy. You know, there was that, there was that world that was still, the students were still coming out of that world. And with every single year that I keep teaching, the more these kids come in, and it's just like, they are not. It's like film school. Yeah. You know, there's just people who want to do who want to do comics and who want to tell stories. You know, every year the work has got out of these like young kids is getting better and better. And I, I just, I mean, the saddening part is is that I don't know, and is none of it is superhero stuff. None of my students are doing superhero stuff, like zero. And I mean, it's unfortunately I don't know if there's a if there's a readership that can support it. But man, the work is being done. You know. Yeah. I hope there's a readership that support it. But then again, I don't know. People don't really read anymore, do they? I don't know. You know, you hear more than ten thousand people go to TCAF. I feel good. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and I heard that what's her name, uh, Bechtel, her book pre, I mean, I think her pre-sale on her new book was like 100,000? Yep. They were printing 100,000 copies. For like a really intelligent, well-done comic? Yeah. It's a comic. Yeah, it's I'm, a... I'm reading it right now, as we speak. I, I have, uh... I thought Fun Home was a really good book. I have mixed views on it. Yeah. I yeah. I think it's good. I think it's great. Um maybe it's too smart. I was gonna say, I mean that that was a little put it this way, there was parts of it that were that were so smart that it was um It was like the magician's I, I want, yeah, it was slightly off-putting to me how smart it was at times, um, but I put that down to, like, for me, that didn't affect how I felt about the, the like, content of... It, it was like a... You yeah. know, like, like a... It was like a stylistic thing that was sort of like, oh, well, that's not really my thing. But but I, as, a, as a whole, I... Uh, I felt like that book really came through, you know. And you know what? I shouldn't be complaining about a comic being too smart. Yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> read my books. Not <laughs> really <laughs> 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 that complaint, Robin. <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> oh, um, thanks.
Thank you, Zach. This has been fantastic. A uh, reminder, folks, I've been chatting with Zach Sally, the author of Sammy the Mouse, another intelligent comic, uh, self-published by Lamano Press, as well as the upcoming book uh, later this year from Uncivilized Books, uh, The Fine Man Tom K. I will not try pronouncing his last name, because I will do something terrible to it. It's the same as the terrorist. Oh, there we go. Speaking of terrible. <laughs> Thank Wait, you. Can you edit that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can pull that out. Thanks so much, Zach. Thank you, Robin. Yeah.